0: Support for Green Dreamer comes from our Green Dreamer planners that you can check out at greendreamer.com shop, as well as our listener patrons. Thank you so much for supporting this independent show starting at $2 per month by going to greendreamer.com support, sharing your favorite episodes with friends, or leaving me a rating and review in the podcast app. I read them all, they warm my heart, they keep me going, and I really, really appreciate your support, so thank you so much.
1: Everything is political, too. So it's funny when people try to say, oh, you know, I don't like to be political or I'm not political. Well, (laughs) if you're existing in this society and partaking in the day to day life of traditional Western industrial society, then you are being political, whether you like it or not. And to say that you're not political, in my eyes, merely means that you have enough privilege that you don't have to worry about the things that are going on.
0: That was Stephen Mercourt, who is a community organizer and hub coordinator fellow with Sunrise Movement Chico, which is a chapter of the notable youth-led climate activist organization Sunrise Movement. Oftentimes when we hear about crises happening around the world these days through the global news, it can honestly feel really overwhelming because besides donating money from afar for relief after the fact or helping to raise awareness, we may not actually be able to do a lot else, especially to help create systemic change there to help support the Prevention. So I'm excited to share this conversation with you because Stephen quite recently turned his frustration and fear even into local grassroots organizing and community-based action. So you're going to hear all about that, why he wasn't interested at first in getting political and what changed his mind, as well as how you can get started taking and leading community-based action. Green Dreamer, if you're ready, take a deep breath and let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast exploring our paths to ecological balance, intersectional sustainability, and true abundance and wellness for all. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe. And together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word.
1: It partially started back while I was in Miami, Florida. I was doing a year through AmeriCorps, and in September of 2017, Hurricane Irma was a category five at the time, and it was on its way to decimate Southern Florida. It, it was looking really, really serious, like it was gonna do some real damage, and And so there was a, that was a pretty wild experience for myself, uh, my roommates who were trying to decide if we were gonna wait out that experience and, and hunker down in our apartment, and we thought we were going to do that up until the very last minute. And so in preparation, we were running around the city trying to get canned food and trying to find bottled water to potentially wait three to five to how, who knows how many days without access to the things. And that process was really terrifying because it was, we had to drive all over the city to find canned food and it spent half a day trying to find bottled water. And, and there's a lot of chaos going on there and, and, and a genuine fear, I I'd never really had to prepare for a natural disaster and, and so, you know, we ended up being okay, uh, we, we kind of ended up last minute driving up to the top of the state and kind of waited it out of there and that was all right. But then I fast forward and I finished my year of Miami and, and I am finally then ready to come to Chico to launch this business idea which I had been planning with a friend for over a year by that point. And I get to Chico in August of 2018 and three months later, the campfire strikes. Which was the biggest wildfire in California history, responsible for over 85 deaths. And, uh, you know, that was to this day one of the scariest moments of my life just because uh, I mean, I had, you know, I remember being at work that day and I had a coworker walking in the, into work who would, on his way to work, realize that he, his house or his trailer had burned to the ground. And, mm. And he was just a distraught. He was a single dad. He was just getting resettled out here in Butte County and he was really struggling and trying to come for him that day. And the whole time we're trying to, we're looking out the little window in our kitchen, seeing the just getting worse and worse and worse the, and just feeling the smoke seep into the kitchen and watching the news and seeing what's going on and, and hearing that part of Chico was getting evacuated. And I had a bag packed that night and you know, I had an um, old college roommate come over who had lost his home, his child, in his whole city that he grew up in was burned to the ground in Paradise. And him and his buddy came over, and they were distraught. and And seeing that was hard. And we had other friends who lost their brand new home, and finally been able to save up, and had lost that. And seeing those, and trying to comfort those those people, and then also then coupled with the fact that the air was so bad for over a week in Chico. We had, I mean, at one point, we had the worst air quality in the entire world. And so, you know, you couldn't go anywhere and get fresh air. You know, at work, it was, it was in a restaurant, so smoke was coming in. And going to anywhere outside, smoke was terrible. And even in my own house, the smoke was inside. And so I was wearing a mask everywhere I went. And I, at a certain point, after a couple of days, I was starting to feel kind of sick and, and really does not feel right. And so I ended up leaving down south for a couple of days just to try to get a little bit of fresh air and, and try to clear my head. And so after you know the hurricane and then a year later, the campfire, obviously I know that those things weren't directly caused by climate change, but I, I know that these things are going to become more frequent and more severe as time goes on. And it just, at that time, thinking about me trying to, to sell insect-based food as a way to address this crisis, which I then knew was here now and terrifying, it just didn't seem like enough. It just seemed kind of too slow and too indirect of a way to address this problem, which is stemming from so, such bigger issues than simply our diet. And so I kind of felt the need to do something a little more.
0: So, I mean, when you first started, you initially did not want to get political. Why was that and what changed your mind?
1: I don't know. what it is. I, You know, it's funny. I was actually a political science major in college and I, I enjoyed what I got to study and I, and I think it did a lot of good for me. But it didn't seem fun. I was trying to find a balance between work that matters is impactful and needs to be done, but also that I think I would thoroughly enjoy and, and just have a good time doing. And, and being in politics sounded messy and sounded stressful and sounded like a dirty game sometimes and it can be and really just kind of depressing in a way. And I, I didn't think I wanted to be a part of that. And I also, I had a sense that politics was was very much in a an official capacity in. Elections and, and and you know, we're working with elected officials and being in a kind of the way that we I think think of politics We see on TV. We see debates and we see meetings and we see the all the fo- sometimes seemingly phony photo ops and that kind of thing And that just didn't sound fun. It didn't seem like me so that's kind of why I didn't think I wanted to and then inevitably after these experiences that I went through and the fear that I was feeling I mean truly scared. I'm scared. I'm doing this stuff because I'm I'm scared of the future and what's to come. And it just felt like given the system that we're in, organizing and heavily political, seemed like the best way for me to make an impact on this crisis that we face. And I've also realized that it's being political and being in politics is much more than the kind of idea that I had in college. It's, I mean, I'm on the ground, I'm doing the grassroots organizing and that, that work is really fulfilling and really can be fun. And really, it is also the necessary work that needs to be done. In fact, I think it's as important as, as the folks who are in office and are doing the more official type of work. And so that's, that's the kind of politics that I'm really enjoying to be a part of and that I feel good doing.
0: Now, when people get together and want to avoid heated discussions, people often say, you know, avoid talking about religion and politics. (laughs) Do you think it's possible to really advocate for environmental protection without getting political?
1: Unfortunately, no. I think it's inevitable it's going to become political. It's become such a politicized issue, specifically in this country, that there's really no way around it. And I don't think that it's bad. I mean, I, I think it's healthy for for a democracy to thrive and be healthy. I think we ought to be having more open, more candid, good discussion about politics and, and perhaps religion. I mean, well, that's one beautiful thing that I took away from South America is they, they have so many at the dinner table. They'll just discuss what's going on in politics globally and, and locally in such a healthy way. And that's just a really staple of, at least where I was in Argentina, part of their culture to just discuss what's going on and at so i thought it was beautiful and i thought it was just enriching and we really lack that kind of conversation here in the united states for the most part from what i've seen and i so i don't think we ought to shy away from it I, especially at a time when there's so many so many issues facing this country and this world everything is political too so it's funny when people try to say oh you know i don't like to be political or i'm not political well <laughs> if you're existing in this society and partaking in the day-to-day life of traditional Western industrial society, then you are being political, whether you like it or not. And to, to say that you're not political, in my eyes, merely means that you have enough privilege that you don't have to worry about the things that are going on and the political
0: things that are happening. What's really interesting is I was watching this interview on The Daily Show between Trevor Noah and I believe it was Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor. I'm paraphrasing here and I'm going to be missing the details, but she basically said something along the lines of how when broadcast and TV started going into the governmental offices, instead of having the congressmen... All in there from both sides talking things out, it was just really the congressmen talking to the television, to the cameras. Opinions became more polarized because they used to, you know, talk things out amongst one another, whereas now they may just feel like they're trying to please the audience that they're speaking to, as in the general public. So when we're unable to have these discussions, then we're never going to understand each other and move forward together.
1: Yeah, it's it's sad because, I mean, that's kind of the, the way that we use media, and exactly what you're about. I mean, it's talking points. People, I mean, you know, somebody who does it so frustratingly well is like Kellyanne Conway. She'll acknowledge the question that's asked and then immediately go shift gears 360 degrees into the talking point that she wants to land solely to get the message to the audience that she hopes is watching with no regard to the question at hand or the discussion that's hoping to be had, merely trying to please who they, who they think is, is listening and It's detrimental to the wider audience who's watching and wants to learn when a lot of the messages that are being told to the media, to the camera, are just so pinpointed to specific people, just sticking to the message that folks are trying to get across. It really is not (laughs) leading to healthy discussion.
0: Personally, I think this two-party system really dismisses a lot of overlap that people from both sides have with one another because people are not reduced to having binary sets of values. So I think we're often more alike and share more values than it's made out to be. In your experience as a community organizer for a movement focused on climate action, do you think this cause is something that necessarily divides people? Or do you think it's actually something that can bring people of different backgrounds and political ideologies together?
1: I actually really see it as something that can bring people together. And, you know, I wasn't here when there was there was a big anti-fracking campaign that was going on in Butte County, where I live now. And Butte County and this whole district is very heavily conservative. It's a really red district. But this anti-fracking campaign, which is very much an environmental, you know, it was being pushed by a lot of progressives, and it's a heavily environmental thing, after it took about five years to get to the point where the initiative passed at the county level, but it it passed with almost 70% of of voters, a lot of which were Republicans. And because of the messaging that they were able to use, they were focusing on clean water and protecting our water, which in itself is not political, and everybody can get behind clean water. And so... I, I just kind of take a step back from that and look at it at a broader scale. I think that, yeah, I think everybody wants a safe and clean environment and a, and a livable future for their children and, and, and the future generations to come. And I, I think it becomes political when you start to talk about how we get there and, and, and what personal freedoms may seem to be lessened or attacked, so so, quote unquote, attacked by getting to these sustainable outcomes. No, I, I really do see it as a as a thing that could bring people together. And honestly, one thing that though I see it as a as a real failure so far of the Green New Deal is the fact that it really hasn't, and, and kind of the movement behind it, we have not done a good job of reaching across and really helping more conservative minded folks realize wh- how and why this is such a good thing. It's become so divisive, and I don't see that we've done a good job to to really help people see why this is the vision. That we need to be moving forward with. Um, But at the end of the day, I do see it as something that can bring us together. It's a matter of messaging. It's a matter of having those conversations. It's a matter of listening. And uh, yeah.
0: You mentioned the Green New Deal. I know that is a central focus of the Sunrise Movement. How do you think we can better convey this ultimate goal to those who are not currently engaged in this conversation?
1: Well, I think the first important thing is to think about it as, as a vision of how our country should be moving forward and, and the kind of things that we would like to see. As it is now, really, it's it's nothing more than that. It was a simple, technically, it was a resolution that was passed that just stated some goals and, and kind of laid out a framework, but made no hard commitments, made no real serious policy recommendations it is not it is itself not a policy. So think about it as a vision of things and, you know, and the five main goals of it I think are really important to have in mind. So you know achieving net zero greenhouse gas emissions, creating millions of good paying jobs, investing in infrastructure and industry of the twenty first century, securing clean air and food and water for all, and addressing historic and current oppression. In my eyes, I don't see any of those five things as being political or being detrimental to Society or American values I, in fact, I believe that those are the things that are necessary for human flourishing and I think keeping those five goals in, in mind is, is a good thing to start with also the fact that it itself is not a policy it's, it's merely a resolution and It's gonna look like many different bills that get rolled out similar to what the new deal was The new deal was a compilation of a bunch of different things that got passed and collectively created this change and then, you know, there's a lot of the conservative talking points are that we're going to take away their, their planes and their, and their burgers and things. And those are just absurd and they're really silly. I can't believe that our president and one of our representatives still throw those things around as, as fear tactics. But it's, being, it's happening. And those are false. There's nowhere in the resolution that mentions anything about eliminating travel or restricting diets because we know that's not going to happen. And, and realizing that we're not – we're only – here because in this resolution really is, is only here because we want to make sure that our, our species has a livable future and that we're able to empower some of the most vulnerable communities who have historically been impressed in this country you know I don't see any of those two things as I, I don't just personally don't see how those could be a negative for anybody
0: The Green New Deal is really this vision of where we want to end up at and a resolution. And you mentioned earlier, people usually disagree on how to get there, but we haven't even reached that that bit yet. You know, that very much will involve a lot of discussion and constructive discussion so we can work out solutions that we can agree on. But in terms of just having this common goal of where we want to arrive at in the end, that really should not be as divisive as it's been made out to be.
1: Absolutely. I struggle to see where that is divisive and where that is political. But the thing is that the media so far and the conservatives have not been focusing on those five goals. They, they're focusing on everything else that they think is going to happen in, in getting to those goals. But they omit what those goals are and, and how necessary they are. All the talking points about it so far have been the cost, government overgrab, taking away their personal freedoms and their luxuries and all the things that they know is going to upset a lot of folks. Purposely avoiding the reason why the Green New Deal has even come about.
0: The Sunrise Movement primarily consists of younger people who may or may not be old enough to participate in policy. What do you think are the best ways for people who are underage to influence political decisions?
1: So you're absolutely right. You know, Sunrise is a youth-led movement, so we, we really you know, we welcome folks of all ages. But we do prioritize youth in leadership positions in the movement. And so, yeah, we have a lot of folks that are under age, under voting age that are involved with us. And so, for one, a huge thing as we lead up to elections out here in California, we get the primary march, voter registration is a huge thing and you do not have to be a voting age to register folks to vote. It seems, me and a lot of folks think that's a, that's a you know, trivial task in voter registration, but it is not to be underestimated. And if we cannot win, if we cannot vote. So... That would be the first thing is, you know, jumping in on a voter registration drive, but also pressuring your schools. If you're a student at a school, schools are giant institutions that emit a lot of emissions and have a lot of changes to make to become more environmentally friendly. So one thing that out here, schools have been starting to pass climate resolutions, kind of stating that an acknowledgement of climate change and making you know, verbal commitments to making changes. But I think as students, you have a lot of influence over the institution in which you're learning and pressuring administration there and pressuring that institution to change its practices is a huge way to impact, you know, get us towards what we need to go because it's not just the officials in our government who needs to change. It is these big institutions like universities and, and hospitals and all these other entities that are really, really, in a lot of ways, unsustainable. So that's a great avenue as well. But, you know, there's also a big need for folks to come out. And as you've seen, like in Europe, the Fridays for Future, the strikes that the students were going on. I mean, that has brought attention to the climate crisis in a way that many other things have not been able to do. Um, So merely leaving school or gathering in public places and, and drawing attention to the crisis is not to be overlooked in its importance. So, I mean, as we saw September 20th, just this past Friday, it was like 4 million or so people around the world struck and and held rallies. That's really important. In itself, not enough, but it is a necessary ingredient to getting us towards the change that we need. So I would not be discouraged if you're under age, uh, voting age, because there's still so much that needs to be done. Um, and in fact, as a younger person, you also have more of a moral conviction in, in what you're doing and you have almost more influence because of your age, because your inability to vote, and the fact that you're out there really inspires others and it really shows that this issue matters so much because kids realistically kids shouldn't have to be doing this thing they shouldn't have to be being political at that young age but it's sadly it's falling into our hands because the powers that be are not acting are not listening to what needs to be done and it's our future that's most at stake and so the young people do have to be political and there's so many other ways to do it besides engaging directly in, in electoral politics.
0: Well, we were really excited to have you on the podcast because you quite recently stepped into your role as a Sunrise Movement organizer, leading your community in Chico. I think that's really inspiring and relatable because oftentimes it's hard to know where to even begin. What do you think has been the most important about starting a local community when you saw that it was missing from where you are? And what power lies in having a community as opposed to trying to do things in our own lives or on our own?
1: The first thing I would I would say is is finding at least one person who wants to who's really on the same page as you and who wants to go in in this together. I, I was fortunate to find a, a co-worker who was on on the same political wavelength and had the same ambitions, and we decided to launch the Sunrise hub out here together. And so that made it a little bit easier. It made me more confident in what I was doing. And neither of us knew what we were doing, but together. It just made it easier, (laughs) and so it's great that we can make these individual changes. There's so many things that we can do. We can divest from the big banks. We can change our diets. We can drive less. We can fly less. You know, those are good changes and important to do. But at the end of the day, sadly, us all changing our individual behaviors are not going and is not going to be enough to stop the extraction of fossil fuels and the unsustainable practices of industrialized society. And so. Those things are good and important, but we must do more in organizing and building a community and empowering your community to act collectively is is what needs to be done. And uh, we we started to do that here in Chico, and it's just, I mean, and this is that, that that kind of work of truly community building and coalition building and empowering folks in your local community is some of the most fulfilling and empowering work I've ever done and, and likely ever will do, especially in a time where I mean, so many people are really feeling this kind of climate anxiety and climate despair. Uh, what's the state of the world and what's likely to come if we don't act, but to be able to revive them and, and kind of this, throw this energy of, ho- of hope and, and real change that Sunrise and other groups have been making, to plug that into your community is so necessary. But yeah, finding, you know, at least one person that you can kind of start this thing with if if you're interested in maybe starting a hub or in your city, or if you're interested in building something from the ground up, I'd say at least one other person to get it going with is great. But once you start doing that, people want to be a part and people take notice, especially as a younger person. You start walking into these more established environmental groups or these established community groups, and you end up being probably one of the youngest people there. And then all the older folks are pretty inspired and pretty excited, and they start to spread the word. and, And it... Pretty quickly you'll you'll become someone who a lot of people want to talk to and rightfully so because we our our movement is doing the kind of things that we need in order to make these transformative changes so it's truly been empowering for me but really really impactful for this community i mean the climate movement out here in view county now is is a real force and we've, we've started to develop a pretty strong coalition with groups who folks maybe not, might not have seen as part of climate change or an environmental movement, which is exactly what we need to be doing. We need to help people realize that in climate change and environmentalism is not just a uh, Sierra Club and Greenpeace and protecting our parks. It's an intersectional issue and it's a racial justice issue. It's an economic issue. It's it's kind of the umbrella of which every other social justice issue is affected by, is intertwined with. And, and it's a labor issue, you know, all of these things. and. and kind of just building that, that cross-sectional movement is what we're working on and as sunrises across the country, uh, which is why the Green New Deal is, is so powerful, it, because it doesn't realize that it's to be sustainable, it means that we are addressing our environment, our economy and equity together, because that is the only way to truly ad- address these issues and really have a just society.
0: What often frustrates people is feeling helpless in the face of looking at the national or global systemic injustices and issues that we have that we may feel very distant from or too small to influence. And I think the Sunrise Movement is a really beautiful example of think global and act local because essentially it's built up a network of people across the country who are taking action in their local communities. What are your thoughts on how local activism relates to change at a national level and then at a global level?
1: So, you know, like the phrase that's been thrown out to me since I've been doing all this work is politics is local, meaning that I think it's good to keep that global focus and, and, and kind of be aware. But the change that we can really make and also some of the biggest political impacts that we feel are at the local level, just in terms of what we have the ability to do it's at our city council. It's at our board of supervisors. It's at our, you know, unified school district. It's at the local institutions in our city. It's maybe our, our state representatives. I think if everybody, in, in fact, focusing too heavily on the national on national politics, as the kind of game that it's become, it's really kind of detrimental to the progress that we need. I think often there's too much emphasis on presidential campaigns and the UN and all these other bigger, inaccessible political avenues. And that kind of deters us and probably gets people a little bit apathetic. But in fact, for one, our vote goes so much farther in a city campaign and in, in a board of supervisor campaign. I just think that folks need to realize that if we can affect our own local city or our own local board or county, there's ripples from that. The neighboring counties see that. The state starts to see that. That is gonna initiate the change that we need. I mean all the Green New Deal is gonna get initiated at local levels and it's gonna look different in every county, in every region of the country. You know, so it's a, na- a national vision with, with local applications. Focusing on our our local politics is really where we ought to be focusing our energies because we need to win at every single level of government. It's not just getting a president in the Congress that support the Green New Deal. It's getting a school board is getting a city council, it's getting a board of supervisors, is getting a state assemblyman uh, or woman that also is, is supportive. So we we acknowledge the necessity of having, and we say this explicitly: we need officials at every level of government who will support a green deal and fight for our livable future. And so really taking that to heart is uh, what we ought to do because these these local officials have a lot of power and influence over our lives, and in fact we feel the impacts of what goes on at the city and the county level more so than at the congressional uh, level oftentimes.
0: Well, all of this climate activism is really a marathon. It's a long-term game that requires us to keep at it in spite of not necessarily being able to see our positive impacts immediately. So it can be exhausting. It can lead to people feeling burnt out. And it can also lead us to despair, seeing a lack of meaningful action being taken by those in power. So to close, what final advice do you have for us in terms of how we can manage our own mental struggles along this journey, as well as what do you think we can do to take action on that can have the greatest positive impact?
1: One thing that's been just so hugely beneficial for me out here in in doing this work is just finding the community spaces and gatherings and groups that aren't inherently political or focused on anything more than just community building. And so, I mean, there's spaces out here, there's a community garden that I go to every Sunday night where folks just come out and hang out, talk, play music, share food and just exist in this beautiful space. There's another group I'm part of that just feeds the houseless community out here every Sunday. And we just chat and we just share food. You know, these kind of community spaces are just so recharging for me and really help me feel connected to the people in in this area. And so, making time to step away from the from the really heavy activism and just being with good people who are really uplifting and just have good energy is, is so necessary. We need as people to be outside and, and in the earth however we can. So making time to just be, exist, sit in the park, sit in whatever outdoor space you have, and, and try to step away it sounds simple, but it's it's really valuable. And the second question, can you can you say that one again?
0: Yeah. So what do you think we can take action on as individuals that can have the greatest positive impact?
1: My biggest thing would be uh, divesting. So if you are a member of a big bank like Chase or Wells Fargo or Bank of America, switching to a small local credit union is one of the biggest impacts as an individual that we can make just due to the fact that those large banks are huge investors in the fossil fuel industry. And so to take our money from them is quite literally taking money out of the fossil fuel industry. So that's a huge thing to do. Another thing is eating locally, eating as local as possible. Not only is it better for the environment because of the less miles that the food travels, it's also oftentimes the most delicious food you can eat. It's supporting local farmers, it's supporting the local economy. It just it's nice to know the people who are growing your food. Um, there's so much value in that, but it also environmentally, it's it's the best way to eat. Obviously, a reduction of meat, specifically red meat, is a, is a big thing. And then I would say reduction in travel. You know, if you don't have to fly do if you don't have to drive don't biking is one of the most enjoyable things we can do in this life and it also allows us to burn less fossil fuels so those are some of my top things i like to kind of advocate for
0: you're listening to green dreamer with kamea shane and we're now going into a mindful musical intermission before closing off with our final five
2: drawing in and the sun's getting stronger while the ice is wearing thin come out of the shadows so your voice can be received don't stand on the sidelines come fight for the air that you breathe cause we are
0: What's an uplifting social media account or a publication you follow or a book that's been really profound for you?
1: A book I read in college, Between the World and Me, by Ta-Nehisi um, Coates. Incredible book.
0: What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired?
1: I'm a leader and the movement needs me.
0: What's one thing you're working on right now for your health?
1: Walking more. Walking more and enjoying the slow pace of that.
0: What are you working on right now to elevate your positive impact for our planet?
1: Composting. My neighbor next door has just accepted my compost and I'm, or my food scraps, and it's a really great way to get rid of those in a good way.
0: <laughs> and what makes you most hopeful for our planet at the moment?
1: The climate movement and the, and the youth energy and the youth leadership behind it. It's it's truly inspiring to me.
0: Well, Green Dreamer, to learn more and stay updated on Stephen's work, you can head to Sunrise Movement's official website, which is www.sunrisemovement.org. And if you want to check out Stephen's chapter in Chico, it's www.chicosunrisemoveme.wixsite.com slash chico. All of this will be linked in our show notes, so be sure to check that out. But you can also follow him on Instagram at jinku baby. That's J-I-N-K-U underscore B-A-B-Y or also at sunrise mvmt again all of this will be in the show notes at greendreamer.com so be sure to head on over for all the references that you may need from the podcast steven if our listener would like to get involved with the sunrise movement or support its work what final cause to action can you share with us
1: jump on the website on sunrisemovement.org see if there's a hub in your area if there is reach out to the hub coordinator if not think about starting one yourself
0: And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers?
1: There's a lot of issues out here. Find an issue that matters to you, that you feel passionate about, and find the most fun and creative way to tackle that issue. I think that's going to lead you to a really good place.